Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. I'm Lisa Fisher, a longtime broadcaster and journalist in Arkansas who's been in front of a microphone or a camera since the 1980s. I think of myself as the queen of Arkansas media. My guest for this episode is the holistic health boss, Jen Maleka. She's our guiding light when it comes to taking control of your health. You'll get to meet her right after this. I am super pumped about today's sponsor for the Lisa Fisher Said podcast. She She's my people. It's Meg Green RD. MegGreenRD.com. Link will be in the show notes. Meg Green is a registered dietitian. That's what the RD stands for. But she is someone who can help you achieve your goals and start working on those health annoyances that your doctor's not helping you. Well, let's talk about it. All right. I hate to be the person that tells you your doctor gets 15 minutes with you because of the health insurance paradigm. That's not working because as women, we need someone to talk about our thyroids, to talk about maybe the things going on in our life. She asked the question on her website, imagine if you could wake up feeling refreshed with empowered thoughts and unshakable clarity to tackle your to-do list and daily goals with thriving motivation. Yes, please. Imagine if your hormones, mood, body, and mind, that includes thyroid people, She says she can help you get them healthy and balanced and create effortless energy. Okay, I'm totally signing up for this. I am in health coaching school, but I'm still a student. I haven't arrived. And it's like we always say, editors, I'm a copy editor. Editors need editors. Doctors need doctors. Well, those of us who are health coaching students and I will be a health coach, I need a health coach. I've got my girl, Meg Green RD. You can get more information in the show notes. Change your life today. You will not regret it. She won most talkative in high school, and she has been running her mouth ever since. Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast with your host, Lisa Fisher. Okay, we're talking health right now. Jen is the holistic health boss. I love that. Love your website. Love all the things about health coaching and getting people, getting us right with the sun and the elements. And tell me how you got involved in kind of this health journey. Yeah, well, I think like most of us do, I had my own health journey. So that's what propelled me into this industry. And I've always been interested in health in general. I mean, I went to college ambitiously to study like kinesiology, the you know, fitness, nutrition and health, because I wanted to be a sports psychologist and work with athletes. And then through that process, realized that that's not really what I wanted to do, that I actually wanted to work more with like, you know, the general person and help them get healthy. So I launched my career as a personal trainer and kind of like through that time, same time of like graduating, starting my career, um, noticed like some really steep declines in my health that was happening, like had all of a sudden developed like severe seasonal allergies that would lead to ear infections that would wipe me out for like days at a time. And, um, I didn't know it then, but looking back, like I would call it chronic fatigue. Like I was exhausted just all the time. Like I would have a double Americano in the afternoon, you know, before training my clients. And I would literally be standing there like 
struggling to keep my eyes open. Um, and then little weird things popped up here and there. Like I was starting to notice like sensitivities to like chemical smells. Like I literally got nauseous and had to be sent home from work from like the smell of a Sharpie marker, which is so not normal. Wow. Um, and finally like the big, huge red flag was being diagnosed with skin cancer, um, at like the age of 24. And there was no, family history or anything like that. So, and I was like the healthiest person that I knew, right here. I am like personal trainer, like, you know, eating health, eating quote unquote healthy. Like let's just, we'll probably define what healthy really is today. Um, exercising all the time, but I started like that really, you know, made me question what was going on in my body. And I started doing research and I came across functional diagnostic nutrition, which is the training that I've done. And, um, and going through that realized that I had like all kinds of hormone imbalances going on bacterial, bacterial overgrowth in my intestinal tract. My digestion was probably messed up and I had a congested liver. So it was like this perfect storm that cultivated cancer in my body. And luckily I was young and I figured out these like missing pieces of my health puzzle. And so I was able to clean everything up and I'm sitting here talking to you over 10 years, cancer free at this point in time. Um, so that's kind of what got me into doing this field of work basically. Okay. So some people were uploading this to YouTube, but the rest of you in your car, wherever you are, you know, listening to this, you have almost black hair, beautiful, fair skin, kind of dark eyes. You are not a candidate for skin cancer. So doesn't that show us that there's something we're doing? Jen, I'm convinced that the SPF we're putting on our skin Oh, yeah. Giving us cancer. Whereas because skin cancer rates have skyrocketed in the last 40 years. When did we start selling sunscreen? About 40 years ago, because before that, women used baby oil and cayenne pepper or whatever it was, cinnamon to make their skin look dark. (laughs) Right. There weren't Now they may have hurt from the cayenne pepper, but there were not the skin cancer rates we have now. So you're probably slathered uh, in sunscreen. Are you in California or did you grow up in California? So I grew up in California and then I went to college in San Diego and that's where I currently am. So I've been in San Diego since 2001. So 20 years at this point in time. So in front of, in the sun, all these years and you were told to wear sunscreen. Mm -hmm. So all the time that always frightens me when people are all slathered up in it. So what do you do now for your sunscreen? Um, so I really look to use like non-toxic sunscreen. So, um, I love, there's actually, if you guys are familiar with hint water, so hint water is a not all natural, like fruit, uh, infused water. I'm actually reading the book by the founder called undaunted right now, which is fantastic. And, um, so after developing her company hint water, now they use the leftovers from the fruit skins and stuff like that to make sunscreen. So she's got this like amazing sunscreen you can grab on Amazon. Um, that's one of my favorites. I, use, oh gosh, it's now you see, you said you weren't going to ask me an SAT question and this okay. is an SAT question. Well, the good thing <laughs> is the, the brand you, that I love Kula, Kula is a, it's C O O L A. I love okay. their stuff. Not, you know, and it's like not all of their sunscreen 
is low in toxins. So I really like to reference, uh, use the EWG Environmental Working Group Skin um, Deep Database or their Living Healthy app as a resource. So this is where you can go when you're in the store, you can like scan a barcode on a sunscreen or look up something and see what the toxicity rating is. So that's basically how I choose my sunscreens is by um, relying on them as a resource and doing that research. And I'll tell you, I don't wear sunscreen all the time for skin protection in that way. I more so wear sunscreen, like especially on my face, like a non-toxic sunscreen to prevent wrinkle, wrinkles, like right, right. more than skin cancer these days, yeah. you know? Um, and that was, you're right. Like, I think that not only uh, is it the sunscreen that's toxic, but it's like, I mean, let's be honest, it's everything that we put on our body or it's around us. It's like toxic, right? That contributes to this problem. You'll hear the uh, doctors say that they'll find sunscreen in places where the sun don't shine, as they say. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's really the permeability of the, you know, whatever swimsuit we're wearing. Uh, it's got to be something in the toxins that we're mm-hmm. ingesting, putting on our skin, you know, to for these places that are coming up. So where did you have it on your body? A place that was exposed to sun? No. I mean, the first place that I found was like, uh, like down right above my ankle bone on the inside of my leg, like a part of your body that doesn't get regular sun exposure necessarily. Right. Unless you're laying out to having your foot like turned out to the side so that that inside part (laughs) gets the cancer. And then I had a couple spots on my back as well too. They weren't like related. So it wasn't like it was spreading. They were all individual spots, which was also very like interesting, I think for that scenario. Did you have a basal cell or squamous cell carcinoma? Oh gosh. It was so long ago. But it wasn't a melanoma. Um, it was a melanoma. It was. It was a melanoma. What I recall is that it was just what I just remember sticking out to me is that it wasn't spreading. So the spots weren't related. Okay. So wow. when they're related, that means that it's spreading throughout the body, but they were just all like kind of isolated spots that I had. That's crazy. So it could have been the stress in your life because that double Americano in the afternoon, your cortisol mm-hmm. levels were to the ceiling. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, you know, it's so interesting and hindsight's always twenty twenty, so we can look back and see the accumulation of what has led to a decline in health. And this is kind of the work that I do with clients. Like when I have a consult with somebody, I always say, okay, like I want to get a history overview and we're going to start at that point of birth because what you're experiencing today is an accumulation of things that have happened over your lifetime. It's not like your body just woke up one day and decided to have cancer, right? And that point of birth, like your entry into the world is also very important. Like if you were a C-section baby or if you weren't breastfed, I say that you could basically start life with a health handicap because you didn't get the exposure to the beneficial bacteria to like build a strong immune system, which is the center of like everything kind of moving forward. Right. And so, you know, when I look back, I could trace back, um, symptoms way early on. I mean, when I started my menstrual cycle, I had painful or regular periods. So I immediately went on birth control, which we, you know, know now is not so great for us. Right. Sets right? up so many bad things for your microbiome that yeah. no one tells these young girls. And then when they, here's what's happening. I'm seeing young girls that are now getting off the birth control pills. They're having an acne mm-hmm. infestation like I've never seen because their body, because some of those reportedly are to help keep acne at bay. Mm-hmm. And so when, as we know, when you hold something down it and it comes back up, it, it, it is like, 
toxic how much yeah. acne they have. And a girl said, she goes, I know it's because I was on the birth control yeah. pill supposedly for acne. Yep. One of my good friends, uh, Sean Tassone, he's a functional medicine oh, yeah. um, OBGYN, you know, Sean, he mm-hmm. once said to me, it, I just was like, this is so such a perfect perspective. He's like, you know, if a teenage boy came into your office with acne, would you give them birth control? And no, and everybody <laughs> oh, would say awesome. no. Everybody would say no, right? And we're like, he's like, so why are we prescribing it to our women all the time to to treat that? You know, it's not right at all. Oh, Um, it's done. It's done every day. Anyone listening right now, if your young daughter's been told that, please try something else. Well, then let's address that. That's a real good starting point for people because that's when people start taking, besides the fact that we were told to take all these antibiotics for things that were Mm self-limiting. Now Mm -hmm. we know a sinus infection, let it, let it ride. It'll mm-hmm. probably go away on its own. When your kid's pulling at an ear, that mm-hmm. ear infection will probably go away on its own. And I, this is not medical advice, so please seek the advice of a medical provider. But when it's a teenage girl who says, mom, I have cramps and I have a pimple, what would you do then for a teenage 15-year-old daughter that's saying that? Oh, I mean, this is where the challenge is, right? It's like, I would start with diet and I know that it can be challenging to work with teenagers and diets, but I think it's sitting down and having a conversation with your teenage daughter about what it is that she, it really is important to her because, you know, teenagers are just mean to each other. There's all of that going on. There's self-esteem stuff. And so I think this is a great opportunity to sit down and have an honest conversation about how they're feeling in their bodies, what's going on and educate them about the power that they have, you know, to start talking about like, well, the sugar and the things that you're eating could be contributing to this. Why don't we just try, you know, for one week, like, let's just go sugar free for one week and see if that clears up your acne or dairy free or gluten free in some cases and just get them, you know, put a reward system in place to keep them motivated for that. And let's talk about doing it with them too. You know, like as a parent, I don't have kids, so I I respect the parents out there, but you got to practice what you preach also and lead by example. And like, I think every parent could benefit from altering their diet to motivate their kids. And like, that's the low hanging fruit that's really out there right now. I mean, we could go deeper and explore other options, but first and foremost, that's 100% where I would start. And I look back and like what I was eating, you know, back then my dad was a single dad. He did a great job, like trying to put a wholesome meal on the table for dinner. And at the same time, like when I was at school, you know, I was ordering pizza at lunch or, mm-hmm. you know, eating like crab. Right. I'd go over to my friend's house after school and we would make up like frozen taquitos and burritos <laughs> and like snack on that kind of stuff. Right. Right. And so, um, outside of dinner, I was kind of eating whatever I wanted, you know? And I know that that's probably a big part of it. And I also know like my personal story too, is like my parents went through a pretty rocky divorce when I was younger. And so we look at like, things like childhood trauma, where there's studies that show that, you know, kids who experience childhood trauma and trauma is defined by going through a divorce, by the way. So some of these really common things, it doesn't have to necessarily be abuse or something like that, that it actually decreases vagal nerve function by as much as 30%. And the vagal nerve is what 
you know, is the main communication center between the gut and the brain. So if we've got that disruption, just like you were, you know, alluding to earlier, it disrupts our digestive health, our intestinal lining, our gut health, which ultimately has a negative impact on our hormones and the whole rest of the body too. So I think that, you know, these are when kids have stuff like this coming up, it's a, it's introspect to say, okay, what's contributing to this? Let's look at diet. Let's look at things like stress, right? What does their sleep habits look like? You know, everybody's so hyper-focused on exercise. And while that is an important piece of the puzzle, I think that there's some other important pieces of the puzzle that aren't being addressed oftentimes. When do we start looking at repopulating the gut? Because we know gut health is number one, but is it premature, Jen, then to start telling these young kids eat probiotics, you know, to eat fermented cultured sauerkraut, eat fermented products, or do we need to get other things in line before we start attacking, repopulating the bacteria? I don't think it's out of line at all. I mean, I look at like the majority of kids, like, I think, you know, what would you say? It's like probably 95% of kids growing up these days have been formula fed at some point in their life, right? Even if they were breastfed, they were then transitioned on to formula. Um, and just from that, the sugars and the things that are in there, the stuff that's in our tap water, our drinking water, like the kinds of things that we're exposed to these days, the, the, the fact that we know that toxins in our environment strip the intestinal lining, I, I don't really ever think that it's a bad um, step to take to promote or support the good beneficial gut bacteria by doing things like a probiotic and especially foods, you know, the food stuff is really gentle and subtle in nature. So adding in some of those fermented foods, that's actually one of the first places that I start with clients is starting to repair what we call the mucosal barrier. And one of the first steps in that is starting with a probiotic because those beneficial bacteria are going to help to control any bad stuff that's going on in there and help to restore that integrity of the intestinal lining. I'm on year four of intermittent fasting. It changed my life, changed my, my paradigm. It had a paradigm shift in my thinking about Mm -hmm. food and nutrition uh, in 2017 when I was introduced to it. And so uh, I'm a postmenopausal woman, woman with a thyroid that is not very impressive. So uh, (laughs) am I, you know, my fifth grade weight? No, but I am what I am. I exercise however many times a week. I take good care of myself. All that Mm -hmm. to say in the last few months, I've really been focusing on um, good bacteria, kombucha every day. I have a a dealer if you you need our page number. (laughs) She's really good. She even sent me home with my own SCOBY. Nice. It looks like placenta, but whatever. <laughs> I'm not going to make my own. So she does that. And I get the good sauerkraut, the bubby sauerkraut and yogurt and not doing anything else in my diet, Jen. I dropped five pounds like that. So I'm just what, you know, I was, I was formula fed. Um, I was probably on antibiotics, you know, if I coughed because, you know, people of my generation were. Mm-hmm. So I, I think we do kind of fight all that. And there are little nuances. I, I'm a student at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition to become a health coach. So learning about calories and all has blown my mind. So uh, let's just talk about that. Let's let's uh, shift over to caloric intake and the fallacy of calories in, calories out. Oh, and girl, you're going to get me started. <laughs> I know. Where where do we start? I mean, I want to shake every human being who looks on the back of a nutrition label at the calories. I'm like, 
You got to look at all those words you can't pronounce. That's what I would be afraid of. Not mm-hmm. how many calories is in that jar of whatever you're looking for. So let's talk about some of the things that you're really passionate about with caloric intake and calories. Uh, well, I mean, being that I tried the calories in versus calories out formula forever and it wasn't working for me as a trainer and same thing with my clients. I mean, this was another reason that why I started to like investigate like, you know, alternative like solutions was because I, I was a, into like body, um, competitions, like, you know, fitness competitions and stuff like that. So I did a lot of calorie restriction, carb cycling, all kinds of things. And it was never, it was always a struggle and it was never long lasting. And even with my training clients, it was like, you know, they were counting calories and all that madness and counting every calorie that they burned. I mean, I worked at 24 hour fitness back in the day and they came out with this thing called a body bug, which is like a thing that you wore on your arm. It was one of the first like fitness trackers that would count how many calories that you burned and then you logged your food. And like, even with that precision of tracking, like, you know, you weren't getting the results because the saying is that, you know, if you're in a deficit of 500 calories a day, you should be losing one pound a week. Well, Um, you know, I've done some research on this and there's a lot of things to debunk about this is that one is that calorie measurements on foods are not accurate. They're off slightly. Right. And so you can never be precise in your food measurements. Exactly. Um, same thing with the calculation on actually how many calories are in a pound of body fat. That's even slightly off. So we've been told that like one pound of fat is 3,500 calories, right? And that's how many you have to be in a deficit of every week to burn this, you know, thing to burn this fat off this pound. And then, you know, my good um, friend and one of my original mentors, Sean Croxton, he wrote this in his book. And I, I just was like, Oh my God, like why has never anybody really like enlightened us on this and that the calories in versus calories out, this whole calorie counting equation is, has been based upon the first law of thermodynamics that, you know, energy is not created or destroyed. It's converted into something else. So we eat food, we eat those calories, it's converted into energy. So it's either stored as fat or it's burned off, right? Here is what he points out though, is that the first law of thermodynamics is based on a closed system. So the energy can't escape. It's a closed system. But as he points out, our body is not a closed system. You pee, you poop, Mm -hmm. you've got saliva, like you're, you know, there's multiple Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. portals that are open, Mm -hmm. (laughs) sweating where energy, Mm -hmm. you know, comes out. And so how does that first law of thermodynamics really equate and it actually doesn't, right? So those are some of the reasons where like I have, you know, I don't count calories anymore. I got away from that just naturally by listening to my body and eating for satiation and to feel good and that balance. I mean, I eat somewhere around like 15 to 1800 calories a day, which is great, you know? Um, but I do find what I've also found just kind of similar as you is that my body does better off of what we would consider slow burning fuel. So like fats and proteins versus fast burning fuel, like carbohydrates. And the majority of the population does do better in that way. And if you think about it from an ancestral standpoint is that, you know, when our ancestors were migrating or when they were hunting and gathering, they would go long periods of time without eating. And they needed that sustainability of some of these slower burning fuels like fats and proteins. I mean, I think it's also insane that we've been 
brainwashing people to think that they need to eat every two hours. You know, if you were a hunter or a gatherer, do you think that you just, you just had food, right? There was a McDonald's on the corner of the forest, (laughs) you know, to get a snack real quick. No, like they would go, you know, hours without um, Day, days and days, days sometimes right. weeks depending exactly. on if they have the saber-toothed tiger it's just mm-hmm. it's it, it's so erroneous in its teaching and and i and i hate you know you were saying earlier you had an interest in college in diet and nutrition well mm-hmm. the functional medicine approach to diet and nutrition is so different from the western paradigm that we have what western medicine has taught us mm-hmm. because western medicine has taught us to eat corn, wheat, and soy, mm-hmm. you know, and we know those things are killing us. I mean, yes. soy is killing a thyroids as we speak. Yes. <laughs> as you consume your whatever soy-based drink you have, mm-hmm. you are killing, you're hurting your thyroid. Mm-hmm. So you've had obviously a shift in your thinking too and seeing that, but you did probably preach at one time. Yeah. In in the health and fitness space, they were all mm-hmm. saying to eat two and three hours. And now- yeah. I just shake my head and go, you're not going to die. One thing that people don't know, Jen, is hunger is not an emergency. Mm. You're not so hungry. You don't have to take a snack with you. Mm -hmm. In fact, your body then has to look around and it sees fat for fuel after it burns your glycogen stores, of course. Burns fat for fuel and you're not going to die. Mm-hmm. Okay, everybody. Yeah. So we've it, got our. It's like we've got a built-in generator. You know, when we the pow- definitely do. when the power goes out, you need a backup generator. When you run out of food, your body like taps definitely. in this to fat, right? So, I mean, there are some people that are so reliant on carbohydrates and glucose that, like, you know, when they don't eat, it can create a situation where they pass out, you know, they get really lightheaded, they don't feel good, which is a sad state to be in. And if that's who you are, as you're like listening or watching us right now, you need to ask yourself, like, why is that? And what's wrong with that? Because that's not innately how we're meant to be like, to your point is that we're, we should be able to survive, you know, a certain period of time without food. That's actually how our body is built. Have you noticed too, that you, um, prefer the foods of your ancestors that people like with Irish roots will, they'll, they'll be the first person to go, I am wanting a baked potato. (laughs) And you know, the Russian Jew here, I love some sauerkraut and borscht soup (laughs) that we have something with a connection to our ancestors. And that's why maybe Asians prefer rice and uh, fish Mm -hmm. and another culture may prefer something else. Do you know much about your DNA? Um, I know a little bit about my DNA. I mean, I'm mostly like German and like, like European. I got a little bit of Portuguese in me. So, but, um, the, like, so if we look at those parts of the world, for the most part, it's like that Northern hemisphere where it gets colder. Right. Yeah. And so part of the assessments that I do, it's called metabolic typing. And so metabolic typing looks at kind of your genetic makeup. Like, are you more parasympathetic or sympathetic driven, um, high or fast oxidizer, slow oxidizer, so oxidizer. So how do you metabolize food? And then based on that, you know, what are the most ideal foods for you? So it looking at how I metabolize food, I do do better with, um, like proteins that are higher in fats, for example, and higher in purines. I do better with vegetables that are lower in carbohydrates, right? So like my most ideal fruits are coconut, 
olives mm. and avocados, mm. which are hard to even say that they're fruits because they're basically 100% fat, you know? Right. And when we look at this, it's like, you know, ex- Eskimos and are a great example. Like we, if we look at the Inuit, like um, ancestors and populations, the cold winters. I mean, I remember in history class, listening, learning about how Eskimos back in the day would like kill a whale and live off of its blubber for the entire winter. You right. know, it's hard to grow any kind of vegetables, like even in the winter there, like root vegetables. So they were very fat and protein based versus if we look at some of those Southern hemisphere cultures like South America, for example, where there's fruit year round and they eat lighter proteins like fish, we definitely can look at some of that ancestry and um, start to understand why our bodies do, you know, better with certain like macronutrients essentially. But what is also interesting is that if we look at the, where people evolved from and migrating through like the different places, like a lot of that took place in like more of the Northern hemisphere areas as well too. And I think that's why we see that, like it said that approximately like 80% of the population does better on a higher fat, higher protein, lower carbohydrate diet versus, but I have, I will say that I have had a couple clients come through my, my practice that are true carbohydrate types. Like they honestly lose weight and do better on a diet that's a little bit heftier in the carbohydrates department and a little bit lower in the fats and proteins, but that's because their body metabolizes it different than ours does. So that works for them, you know, and that's where everybody is different. Well, it's the bio individuality mm-hmm. that I know I'm learning about as a health coaching student that uh, we have different shoe sizes, our hair's different, our eye color's different. Of yeah. course, the diets that we prefer would be different from something else. Mm-hmm. Now, I know on your website, you tell a little bit about your story about mold and mold toxicity. I'm fascinated by this. My husband thinks I'm just trying to sell him something. He goes, <laughs> he goes, we are not going to a dinner party. You're going to tell everybody that they need to have, that they have mold problems. But it's so true. I talked to, uh, Jack Wolfson, he is the paleocardiologist in Scottsdale or Paradise Valley, you know, the Phoenix area. And he says, before you do anything, he goes, you've got to check what your mold mold is doing around your house, what it's doing to you. Tell me about your story. Yeah. Um, well, it was part of my transition of getting out of working in the corporate world. Uh, when I started to do this work, I uh, started working from home and set up my little office in my guest room. I was all excited. And over slowly over a period of two years, I put on 15 pounds. I developed cystic acne and I had never had acne in my entire okay, life. Okay, So these are two symptoms mm-hmm. that people, they don't know what to do. These are two common things. Mm-hmm. And they think I may go on a diet and I'm going to use something stronger on my face when it wasn't on the outside, it was the inside. Right. And just to like, you know, preframe this is that at this point in time, I'd already healed myself from the cancer stuff. Right. So I was already eating a gluten, dairy, sugar, like, you know, free diet. I was minimal alcohol intake. I was taking a liver support supplement. I was healing my gut. I was going to sleep by 10 PM. I mean, I was doing all the things. things. So this is what was really like racking, like brain racking for me was over the course of two years, I slowly put on 15 pounds, like the, the cystic acne develops. Um, one of the first red flags was going to my dentist and he was like, Oh, you're grinding your teeth. Are you stressed out? I'm like, well, yeah, I'm stressed out, but like not to the point where I think I'd be grinding my teeth, but parasites, bacteria, yeast overgrowth, 
trigger bruxism, which is teeth grinding. I had um, no idea. Mm-hmm. Oh my word. And so, and mold is very burdensome to the intestinal lining and the back, your gut bacteria. So, um, sure enough, I did a stool sample test. I had candida overgrowth and some other things that were going on, but I still didn't know why. Right. Like I was kind of like, but I'm doing all the right things. Like, why is this happening? Um, and then I was still on birth control at that time. Cause I hadn't had like really understood it yet. I was still early on in my practice and, um, I all of a sudden started having breakthrough periods, even though I was on the pill. And then I started having really painful inflamed breasts to the point where like what, at one point I had like a huge red streak on my breast and you could feel the heat coming through two layers of clothing. And I was going to women's health specialists and breast specialists and they couldn't figure it out. They'd never seen anything like that before. And I'm like, here I am thinking, Oh God, skin cancer history. This has got to be breast cancer, cancer, you know? And so did the whole mammogram thing. It all came back clear. And then I had it. And then it like boiled down to like, I had a 12 day period and I was like, just basically on my knees, like kind of praying, like show me a sign, like what is happening. And I'll just kill me at that point. I mean, a 12 (laughs) day period. Oh, losing my mind. Like my, I was like telling my husband, I was like, I'm literally going crazy. Like I can't, I can't even look at my face in the mirror. Like I just pick it because there's all this acne. And, um, I, I remember this like so clearly it was a Thursday morning and I was still training a couple of clients at the time. So I had left my house, go train to 7am client. My period had stopped. This was like day 12 and it had stopped. And then I came home, sat in my office. And after two hours of sitting in my office, my period started again. And I was like, what the hell is going on? And so I'm like going about my work and I open up the closet to grab some shipping materials to send a welcome gift to a client. And I look up on the ceiling in the closet and there's black mold all over. And literally my desk was a foot away from the closet. So come to find out, like we had had... Um, when we moved into our house, so we moved into our house in 2010. This was about 2016. When we had originally moved into our house, I was still in corporate world, had knew nothing about functional medicine at that point in time. I didn't get into that until 2012. So when we moved into our house in 2010, that same area in our roof had a leak that my husband had repaired, fixed and repaired when we moved in. So that water damage or that leak could have been there forever. But I think what was really you know, the, the key thing was that I started working from home. I was exposed to it 24 seven working in that office right next to it. And even though I was doing all the things, these things for my body just goes to show that the weight of consistent toxin exposure will burden the body over time. And my body was just like, was finally like, we can't take it anymore. Like it really started to break down. So the second that I moved, like I like picked up my computer and moved myself out to the dining room just to get away from it. And like within a matter of days, like felt better just from removing myself from the room. And then from there we had remediation and the acne went away. Like, you know, I, I, it triggered Hashimoto's like thyroid. That's, autoimmune that's what me. you do sound like you were thyroid with that heavy period. The, mm-hmm. Some other things I was wondering had if estrogen, it broke your thyroid. Yeah. Had estrogen dominance. Well, estrogen sure. dominance, like elevated estrogen can trigger thyroid autoimmune right, issues. Right. So can mold. Um, but you know, ultimately I was in remission from Hashimoto's within six months after like taking care of it all. And like, you know, estrogen, all that kind of good stuff has been back um, down. And so it was quite the, the roller coaster ride there, you know, and like I tell clients is that 
you know, even when you get to that place of like ideal health, like life still happens, right? We never right. know you, like, you can't predict mold or like, just like you can't predict traffic. So you kind of always just got to have your little health detective eyes open and like really be checking in with your body. And, um, and part of my lesson with that is that my body was giving me signs and I just kind of kept thinking like, Oh, it'll get better. It'll get better. And pushing it off when, you know, if I could go back and do it all over again, I would have taken it more seriously, like early on. Like with which symptoms? Like, okay, Jen in twenty twenty one. What symptom of that would have made you pull the trigger and do something? Because those all sound like normal female conditions, right? Um, I mean, if I was really smart, probably when the bruxism stuff started happening, the teeth grinding and and going like, what's going on with my gut? Because I've been I had been working so hard to like clean it up. And it was so clean at that point in time, but more like more, probably more likely would have been when I started really having the breakthrough periods and the cystic acne, knowing that that had never been my normal Mm -hmm. ever at all, that that was a sign that something was really off, you know? So did you have, is there a way to inspect your home for mold? Mm -hmm. Is there some type of test? What do you recommend for that? Yeah. So it's often, you know, it's, it's most ideal to have a professional come out and do it, but I'll, I'll tell you guys, like not all mold investigators or testers are the same. So you really got to do your research and like, they should be providing like different types of samplings. Like they took samples of our wall versus like the air, for example, or like dust samples um, and comparing that to the outside to know what's normal for outside versus what's going on in your house. And so there are some preliminary tests that you can do on your own, like um, and it's called an ERMI, E-R-M-I, um, hurts me test. And you can do that with mycometrics dot com. And it's literally like a dust cloth. So you get a dust cloth and you dust around, you send it into the lab and they're looking for DNA particles of mold basically. So that's one way to do it. You can also do, um, like, a uh, like basically where you put a Petri dish out and send it into the lab. Do not get one of those mold tests from like home Depot or whatever, like locally, um, Citra safe is a site where you can go to and you can order a home mold test, which is, um, more of the, like the Petri dish, the microscopy type of test where you leave it out for like an hour or two and it collects dust and mold spore particles. And then they put it back in the lab and they see if they can grow things and they test what's there. So I've done all these tests. They all have provided different information. Um, you know, from an initial screening standpoint, something else that you can do is called a visual contrast screening. Um, this is on Dr. Richie Shoemaker's uh, website. It's only $15. But one of the things that mold can do is it can uh, affect your sensitivity to be able, being able to see contrast like color contrast. And so you can go do this test. And if you fail the test, that's probably a pretty good indication that there's some mold stuff going on. Now, the test is not always like, um, what do I want to say? Like, um, all inclusive in a sense, like I passed the test with flying colors, but I had mold exposure, okay. right? You just have to keep looking. Yeah. It may show you something. It may not. If you still have questions, keep mm-hmm. going on. And in fact, anything we talk about, Jen, I'm putting in the show notes for today. Awesome. So people can get all these links. I'm writing mm-hmm. them down as you talk. Then what, what was step one for the detox? Getting out, getting away from it. 
you know, getting away from the exposure is definitely step one. Cleaning it up. Yeah. Getting away from it. And like remediation is really tricky too, because not everybody um, knows what they're doing with remediation. So like when you have somebody come in and remediate, they should be creating like an airtight seal around the remediation site, running air scrubbers because mold spores are airborne. So you don't want them just in there cleaning it out and like all that stuff flying around. Right. So you really need to pick like the right remediation company. Um, And then from there, you know, with my personal case, it was like, I was already doing all these like things to detox. So I bumped up some of like my binders that I was taking to help like bind the toxins and pull them out of the body. Things like glutathione, which helps with detoxification. Um, I continued to take like adrenal support and minerals to make sure that all the systems of the body are supported, gut healing things, bone broth. Um, what about chi- chelation or key? What's the word? C H E L A T I N. So chelation, really for more for metals. That's not oh. necessarily something okay. you do for mold. Yeah, and even okay. with metal chelation, like that's not um, something that I would jump into right away with a person because you know our body has this extremely like intelligent, powerful detoxification system given the right support. So when we support the the digestive system, the adrenals, the, the endocrine system. Basically, when we take some liver support and some binders and some glutathione things, that are going to help that natural detoxification process. You can get a lot done. Um, and if you don't do those things and you try to detox with chelation or something like that, you can feel really awful because you're not supporting everything else too, right? Yeah. So, Mm-hmm. Well, so we're in Arkansas where our humidity is 200%, you know, all when it rains, it, it, I mean, we're not Louisiana, the swampland, but we're close. So I would say, I bet a bunch of people in Arkansas have places in their home because water creates mold. We know mm-hmm. you'd have to be in a dry, arid place. I wonder if like Arizona, do they have the mold issues that we have Oh, you'd be surprised. Like Colorado, Denver is one of the worst places. So it doesn't always correlate directly with like humidity necessarily, um, which is one of the reasons why, you know, somebody coming over to test your house for mold, they should be testing the outside, you know, humidity and mold spore um, levels to compare. But, you know, I think that here's one of the, the tricky things about it is that it is very common for homes to have water damage, whether it's a busted pipe or a leaky right. roof or, I mean, look at these, all these crazy hurricanes that we've had for the last couple mm-hmm. of years. And there's no regulations around how um, landlords or homeowners are supposed to adequately fix water damage. So they like think that, you know, patching it up, painting over it, doing some Clorox on it, like is sufficient. And actually, you know, using Clorox is the worst. I've heard the bleach is the worst thing. It is. It causes it to mutate. So painting over it, trying to use bleach um, causes it to mutate. One of the best things that you can use actually is essential oils, like a three thieves blend, like Uh, on on guard from doTERRA Uh or um, I forget what the, 
Um, the other popular brand is what theirs is called. Young but Living. Young, young Living. Li- young Living, yeah. I think they have a three, they have a, definitely have a three phase blend also. But this is a, actually even referenced in the Bible. Um, like they talk about mold in there and they talk about using three thieves blend is what they basically like cleaned it up with, you know, isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah. And that was an arid part of the world. Mm-hmm. Where, right. You know, the Bible, they were in the desert. Right. So that's crazy. Exactly. Um, so one thing that was a trend a few years ago where they were not fruity smoothie shops, but healthy smoothie shops and <laughs> they would have the detox and the so-and-so Do you ever believe in detoxing with a bunch of liquids? I mean, that's all gimmick, right? Yeah. I'm actually doing a webinar next week to talk about this, the daily detox, um, detox, no gimmicks or expensive supplements required. And one of the biggest myths around that is that, you know, these people do like these three, five, seven day juice cleanses, which one is full of a ton of like sugars, even though it's like fruit and vegetable sugar, it's still sugar, you guys like carbohydrates. Um, so talk about blood sugar imbalances and wrecking that part of your body. But two is that actually for the D like there's phase one and phase two of, um, detoxification process, and you actually need protein in order for those phases to work appropriately. So there's certain amino acids that are essential to the detoxification process, as well as like B vitamins, which are widely found in meat product mostly, Um, and so I do a seasonal cleanse every year, like a challenge with people. And I teach them about these things and the cleanse focuses more on eliminating the inflammatory, most toxic, like processed foods that we're eating, um, as well as doing things like, you know, sleeping during the right times of the night to promote detoxification, adding in foods that are naturally like powerful and detoxifying like beets, lemons, um, dandelion, burdock root, doing things like castor oil packs and in liver flushes and different ways to do that detox process that actually are simple things to add into your daily routine um, or like a quarterly or monthly monthly routine it, too. It probably keeps you regular, your yeah. uh, GI tract and prevents constipation. I was just reading the other day that um, many Parkinson's patients were perpetually constipated because mm-hmm. Um, we cleanse our body when we urinate and defecate. I mean, yeah. you're detoxing. I Dig- mean, to oversimplify it, but you're detoxing because yeah. you're getting rid of the toxins in your body. So this means I don't have to have celery and kale juice. I don't have to buy the juicer for the celery and kale. No. Do you remember that was such a fad? And I remember oh, yeah. looking at it going, that doesn't even look good. Yeah. I'm like, you're missing out on all the fiber and like other things, you know, yeah. as well too. So I was never like a, a firm believer in juicing in particularly, you know. So were you a dieter? If you were doing the calories in and out, you had a diet mentality. So now I guess you're saying your mentality is more toward whole foods and what mm-hmm. nourishes you. Mm-hmm. So if we are a bio individual, what what nourishes you? What what I mean, your hair shiny, your skin mm-hmm. looks good. I know you work out and I know you're in Southern California where there's sunshine, perpetual sunshine. But what are other things you think that keep you upright and healthy? Outside of food or like specifically with food? food well, food being one of them. But there, mm-hmm. are, well, let's talk about all the things. But in your, in, it's, again, it's what nourishes you. Mm-hmm. It may not work for somebody else, but it's a good place to start. People probably always ask you and say, Jen, what have you eaten today? Yeah. <laughs> so 
Um, well, I'll just kind of give you guys an example of what I eat. I mean, my favorite way to start my day is with my uh, collagen matcha latte. So full fat coconut milk and vital proteins, collagen matcha. It's got a little bit of protein in it, like uh, lots of healthy fats, keeps me full and satiated for hours on end. I usually start that at like 11, basically. So that's when I break my fast. Um, and, and I'm very mindful about my intermittent fasting around certain times of my cycle, I'll just add that in like around ovulation or right before menses. I'll usually, you know, definitely eat a little bit earlier in the day or add in some carbs to make sure that my body feels safe to do those things. Right. Um, but then like lunch, you know, usually around like one I'm, I'm a meat girl. Like today I had a taco salad, which was like ground beef mixed with ground liver. So getting in some of those organ meats wherever possible and, um, and then avocado and, uh, um, Primal Kitchens, their Chipotle mayo, which is a avocado oh, yeah. oil base, which is really great. And some so olives. So it's not, it doesn't have, it's dairy free then? Mm -hmm, exactly. Okay. And it's okay, delicious. Good. It's delicious. It's my, like my dressing for my taco salad. Because mayo is one of the few things that I, I know I could, I, and I cook a lot at home. I'm a home chef, mm -hmm. uh, but I haven't tackled the mayo thing. I know it doesn't emulsify. It looks different. Anytime people said they make it at home, but people are like, no, try the things that are dairy free and try to make your own. And I'm yeah. like, I'm scared. Oh my gosh. Prim Primal Kitchen has okay. the best mayo. They've got like okay. all different kinds. They even have like a garlic aioli like mayo. They've got all these things that are amazing. So, okay. and then for dinner tonight, I'm having... Um, basically like uh, leftover sauteed like chicken thighs. So this is where I do, I do better on, I mentioned earlier, like those proteins that are higher in purines, like a little bit higher in fats, right? So chicken thighs versus chicken yeah. breast chopped up with some bacon and some sauteed kale. So leaf, you hear a lot of leafy green kind of stuff in here. Those like kind of like heartier, like proteins, some healthy fats mixed in to all of that. I do love, you know, um, my square of 85% dark chocolate twice a day. So I have a square for lunch and a square after right. dinner basically. Um, and come to find out, I was actually doing a, hosting a clubhouse last week with some colleagues talking about your periods don't have to suck. Like one of the things that blew my mind was that women crave chocolate around their menstrual cycle. Cause it's really high in magnesium and right. minerals. So most times they're eating the wrong kind of chocolate, but when we eat this really good, you know, high, um, uh, 85% like dark chocolate, like we're getting a lot of those nutrients, which is great. So that's like my typical day. I think the other thing that really nourishes my body, I mean, exercise is essential for me because that's just grounds me. It's like, I feel balanced when I do that. Um, but sleep is so critical. I am super protective about my sleep and, uh, being asleep by 10 PM is like essential for me. I mean, I do have the occasional social gathering where I'll stay up later than that, but you know, I try to limit those to definitely no more than once a week. It's probably more like once a month just because my sleep is so important and that's where I, I really feel my best. And on the weekends, I mean, call me a grandma, but like on Fridays and Saturdays, I even like to be like in bed by nine and asleep by like nine 30. So You're living it up there in San Diego, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, when do you put your device down? I think this is real disruptive to, um, everything about our sleep. 
Yeah. Um, I have my do not disturb set starting at like 8.30 at nighttime till about seven the next morning so yeah. that I don't get pinged with notifications. Um, I'm probably like actually set it down, like get off of it myself at like 9 p.m. to be asleep by 10 so that I can like wind down and take they care of my body. You have to protect yourself stuff. from the blue light. Yeah. And-, and I do like the blue light blocker glasses yeah. when I am on my devices in the evening time to protect from all of that stuff. And um, even though you've had skin cancer, I'm sure you're still pursuing vitamin D because it is so essential for everything to work. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yes, I do still. I take a little bit of vitamin D. I don't take it every day. I take it every other day because I do get that natural sunshine sun here in San Diego. Um, But most people are deficient in vitamin D. And what most people don't know, too, is that vitamin D deficiency is often really driven by magnesium um, deficiencies and our body, like we get stripped of minerals because of toxins in our environment. We've been talking a lot about that today. And so I think it's really critical to supplement with, um, minerals just as like a maintenance, you know, tactic because of all the toxins that we come across and how they strip our bodies up. Girl, I'm a thyroid patient. So we all have to have magnesium because we're all constipated. Yeah. I, I take enough magnesium probably for the whole block. <laughs> and and yep. you know what? My GI tract is happy but because of it. And also another thing that I'm really um, understanding about vitamin D and how important it is to all the processes in our body, not just mood. I mean, it definitely affects our mood. Mm-hmm. But as women start um, a- after they go through menopause and you have that um, DEXA scan tells you about the health of your bones, mm-hmm. you and I, you know, a lot of that is based on coloring. So blondes with blue eyes often have more risk of osteoporosis, but dark haired people with green eyes mm. or brown eyes not as much. So Mm -hmm. I don't have the genetic makeup and I have that good Russian Jew, you know, Mm -hmm. grandparents, but, um, my number was, it was so low for mild osteopenia, which is Mm -hmm. before. And my nurse practitioner, cause she practices, has a philosophy of functional medicine. She just said, she was, at least you just had been taking your vitamin D. She was a vitamin D because calcium now, I, I think that's all a racket. And I definitely think milk's a racket, but it don't, oh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not even doing calcium, not even doing calcium. She said, just keep your vitamin D up and keep your magnesium up. And she said, go get sunshine and do weightlifting. And so mm-hmm. we're going to do another one soon. But she said, I promise you, mm-hmm. she goes, it will, it will reverse. So again, mm-hmm. we go back to what God's given us. We've complicated things by going to a lab mm-hmm. when all we have to do is walk outside. Mm-hmm. And there's so much out there. In fact, wellness mama says uh, that every day you should walk outside with no shoes on mm-hmm. and get your feet in the dirt. And get mm-hmm. some of that good, to help your microbiome and to tell your kids, Yeah, you know, we've made our kids so afraid. That's one thing I've hated about the pandemic. People are so afraid of a germ. I know. That they're, they're again, talking about not just sunscreen. They're putting poisons by using all that crap that you, mm-hmm. hand sanitizer, which I would, ah. Uh, in even washing our hands with back, antibacterial soaps, I just tell people, stop. I yeah. mean, don't, don't overdo it. What's your philosophy on that? I 100% agree. I mean, all those things are estrogen drivers, like no, so toxic, definitely. like we're, you know, ruining our natural immune system, basically. So we're on the same page. 
Mm-hmm. Well, you're doing a fabulous job in life. I love everything about <laughs> your podcast, your uh, website, and you have a podcast too, correct? No, I actually don't have a oh, podcast. Just- I'm just doing Clubhouse. I do have a Clubhouse. Um, and what day does yours meet? So we do. We have Health Boss headquarters on Fridays at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Um, so that's our club. You can come follow, join our club, okay. and that's where um, we're really. That club is really meant for educating you know, the general population out there, we talk about all kinds of topics related to things that we've discussed today. Um, and then I'm super active over on Instagram as the holistic health boss, daily tips and inspiration there too. And of course you've been all over my website. I do a lot of blogging and, and things there also. So those are some of the best, you know, ways to find me and get more information. Well, I'm real proud of you. You keep preaching to all of us. We need health evangelists like you. So (laughs) thanks so much. Enjoy the sunshine in San Diego, sister. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe and download all the episodes and leave a review, won't you? The Lisa Fisher Said Podcast is produced by ClantonCreative.com.